We live in troubling times, political, cultural, and church fighting at every turn. We live in a society that is simply upside wrong, where what was once wrong is right, and what was once right is wrong. Where are the Lord's quality leaders? Where are our modern-day Nehemiahs? Do they exist? We need sound teachers who present accurate facts as they relate to Scripture, who are clear and free from meaningless clichés and relevant to our current events. You know, men and women like Nehemiah, our study, Hand Me My Sword, sets out to present realistic observations to present culture while evaluating how each applies to the eschatological truths contained in the Old and New Testaments. In the book of Nehemiah, the man who led God's people is presented in three roles. Early in the book, he is the cupbearer of the king, a servant. Midway through the story, he is a builder of the wall. In the third part of the book, he is governor of the city and surrounding sections of Jerusalem. He was a true and authentic leader of God. Hand Me My Sword is framed within the emphasis of using one hand to rebuild while keeping the sword of the Spirit in the other. We are praying that this mini-series blesses you beyond measure, so let's get started with our lesson for today. This is a study on the book of Nehemiah. We're focusing on the eschatological facts that are contained within this book. Today's lesson is 06, From the Knees Up. Let's take a look at our overview. We're going to be talking about the covenant marriage equals covenant prayers. We're going to cover the basics of believers who are desensitized to Satan and how they lose every battle because of it. Approaching Satan biblically is the key to the victorious Christian life. We have lots of little details coming up about that one. And then true spiritual warfare is eternal. It's not an earthly thing. It is purely Warring with principalities of the air that we cannot see. Then we're going to go on to talk about the sword of the Spirit is 
the Word of God within us. It's not just the written book that is in front of you. When we received Jesus Christ into our lives, we received the Word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, through the very life of Jesus Christ himself. Finally, we're going to discuss Nehemiah's brick. We would basically call that work ethic. Let's take a look at our weekly scripture. Now it came about when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish the day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah, the Amorite, was near him and said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. So we build the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now when Sembalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ashdenites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed to our God, and because of them we set up a guard against them day and night. That's right out of Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Simple fact here, as soon as Nehemiah began the work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the enemy attacked. Sembalat was not only the thorn in Jerusalem's flesh, but that of Nehemiah as well. Once Nehemiah began to observe the attacks at hand, he asked this, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish a day? These workers were next to worthless when it came to rebuilding with excellence. Nehemiah certainly had a huge challenge on his hands. The evidence was in what Tobiah said. Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. It is impossible for us to understand the huge challenge that Nehemiah was up against. The Jews within Jerusalem at that time were basically lazy and irresponsible of taking care of their own. 
Due to Nehemiah's evaluation, it was pretty obvious to him that the local Jews were simply lackadaisy sitting back and allowing the walls that were supposed to protect them have fallen down around them. The odds of Nehemiah counting on quality workers was next to none. Work ethic is a major issue within our church today. Following directions from authoritative leaders is next to impossible for modern-day workers. If they don't command themselves, simply put, they don't do the work. Overall, the body of Christ is sick, lazy, and stubborn. Each default to putting the workload on the leader. What is the leader to do? Pray covenantly before the living God. Only God can strike a match and put some heat under his own people. He's always been creative in finding ways to do that. Let's take a look at covenant marriage equals covenant prayers. The perfect description of covenant marriage is best described in the book of Revelation. But Nehemiah prayed covenantly, although it was through the Old Covenant. However, the meaning, purpose, description is found in Genesis 2, Revelation's book. I believe the ordained reason for creation, Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant, and the book of Revelation is given to us to secure a bride for God the Father's Son, Jesus. God the Father was giving John the heartbeat of the why he created the earth, allowed the fall of man, delivered a Redeemer, and offered covenant marriage to all those who received the indwelling life of Christ through salvation, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. You must understand these two types of covenant marriages. The first is the new covenant marriage represented in heaven. The only anointed marriage system God supports. The second is marriage certificates that were fabricated or established by the governing laws of nations. Proof of this is the modality of why we need a license from the state or nation along with a signature of an ordained church leader. One of the misnomers of governed marriages is God supports all marriages sealed by the governing state or nation. He does not. If he did, it would erase the ordinances of new covenant marriage. Plus, all current legal marriages between dogs and their masters, adult minor marriages, same-sex marriages and other culturally friendly marriages would be ordained or accepted by God. That would be heresy. God only sustains and supports covenant marriage, both in the Old and the New Testaments. Let's review desensitization of Satan. Satan has successfully used the world and its influences to bring a light-hearted attitude and mindset regarding the kingdom of darkness. 
This was the exact case with the Jews Nehemiah was responsible for. As for today, just take a look at the enormous volume of books, movies, video games, t-shirts, music, toys, television, advertisements, the internet, fashions, jewelry, and of course silly jesting that we are bombarded with whatever we desire. Today, all world influences are leading us to anti-authority, anti-work ethic, and anti-Jesus Christ. The results leave the masses with broken down walls of country, church, and individualized lives. This is exactly what Nehemiah was up against, with the Jews continuing to be influenced by the beliefs and practices of old Babylon. Satan is all about desensitizing God's people to him and the influences and mandates that God puts before him, before us. The callous view that the world has about Satan and his role in man's sin is a subtle but tragic attack on God's divine creation, his blessed children. The enemy of this world sees that the world, his domain, laughs off his actions with indifference. Always remember this callousness is the most powerful tool the enemy has in diffusing God's serious plan of redemption. Christians ought to never entertain crude jokes, purchasing degrading media products, or lightheartedly support Satan in any way. Believers need to exercise care in not assigning all of their wrongdoing as Satan's responsibility. We must, with biblical insight, understand the limited power of Satan and his kingdom. Oppression and bondage are not a joking matter. Let's review approaching Satan biblically. The key in believers emphasizing on spiritual warfare must be based on a biblical approach to the subject. Subjective feelings, emotional desires, and genuine sincerity are not sufficient weaponry against the enemy, who laughs in the face of one's intents. He yields no ground to emotion or sincerity, no matter if you use Jesus' name in doing so. He retreats only from the authority and power that has been given to the Christian through their union with the Lord Jesus Christ and the absolute truth of the Word of God. An illustration worth remembering if I were to give you a sharp two-edged sword and a butter knife, which would you use to fight an assailant? Dumb question, right? I don't think so. Your logical side would choose the sharp two-edged sword. However, in reality, when we do not use the word of God to fight off the enemy, we are essentially using a butter knife to war against an enemy who slings a ball and chain. Ephesians 6.17 tells us this, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
Satan hates the new covenant, which is the fulfillment and release of the condemnation of the old covenant. Furthermore, he hates new covenant prayers. Here's a sample of a new covenant prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned before you. I know that I am covered in the power and authority of Jesus' holy name. While I admit that I have committed this sin, I simply ask you to cause me to accept the forgiveness that you already provided for me many years ago. Now in Old Testament style, or using the New Testament with the mixture of the law, people would say this prayer in the form of begging God for forgiveness when he already provided it. We have two basic offensive weapons to use against Satan. They are the Word of God, primarily the New Covenant, and the power of prayer released via the Holy Spirit that lives within you. When we put these two together, we have the most intimidating weapon known to the enemy. He knows he has been had. When a man or woman of God masters the art of using the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer. Even though Nehemiah was bound to the Old Covenant, he used it to maximize his ability to combat Jerusalem's enemies. And it worked. Why? Because the Old Testament, God used the law to fulfill his ordained mission with his people. While in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law to place full responsibility upon himself. Then he placed the Holy Spirit within authentic Christians to enact the same power to ward off the enemy of his bride. I pray that you are beginning to see our critical need for the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit being released through prayer. The Word of the Spirit, God's Word, is living and active. And the sword that Nehemiah commanded his people to use is the Old Testament parallel of the New Testament sword of the Spirit. In Nehemiah's story, the brick is the perfect symbol of the New Testament depictive of work ethic, which, by the way, was the authentic Jews and today's Christians' greatest weakness and challenge. What I am importing to you today are life-giving words from the mouth of the living God. Use God's word, and we live. It is as simple as that. Use our own words, and we die. Minimally, we fail. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and pierces as far as the division of the soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Don't tell me that the Word of God is not powerful and active and has the ability to pierce the edges of darkness. Let's review True Warfare is Eternal. The Word is eternal, just as God Himself is eternal. Just as God is omnipotent, 
all-powerful, all-knowing, so does his word have all the needed power to defeat the enemy and to accomplish God's will. Just as our Lord is omnipresent, his word is always there and ready to be used in every situation. Just as God is holy, so his word is holy. The bottom line is this. His word is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. The enemy hates hearing it. Jesus used it to fight off temptation. So why shouldn't we? We can't survive without it. As a sword, the word has the power to penetrate the life of every being who hears it, and that includes the enemy. It is meant to do corrective surgery within the soul, spirit, thoughts, attitudes, and body of all those who hear it. This is the secret of its power against the enemy. As it is read or heard, the word can penetrate, cleanse, and change the lives of those who embrace it as truth. It is why it cuts away at the grip of the enemy. There is nothing more powerful, and there is certainly no other substitute that can accomplish such a mission of coming against the enemy. Even Jesus, the Son of God, used the written word to fight off Satan in the wilderness. What work for the Son of the living God will certainly do no less for us. Let's review our primary principles in our study. Number one, covenant. Understanding the covenant is the secret to power. If you use the law to try to come against the enemy, you will be powerless. But if you use the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, there will be success. 2. The Word Using God's Word is our weapon of warfare. That's the sword. 3. The Holy Spirit Releasing the Holy Spirit is the power within the weapon. Now just put that in your mind. You have a sword, the word of truth, and you have the Holy Spirit. Now if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that sword, I'm certain there's going to be success. Desensitized. Never underestimate the devil. He's alive, active, and certainly alert. In conclusion... Luke 4, 1 through 3 says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. The importance of doctrinal truth and doctrinal praying is given to us by God to use daily. Doctrine, God's unchanging truth, is mighty in defeating our enemies. As Christians, this truth must go deep into our hearts. This will only come about as we understand the Holy Spirit of God and then use the word aggressively in our lives by releasing the Holy Spirit 
from within. Nehemiah's Old Testament model of praying was given to us to embrace New Covenant praying. Nehemiah was a man of prayer because he had the heart of a cupbearer. He was a perfect blend of prayer and action. As for me personally, he is my model that I operate from on a day-to-day basis. Prayer without action is impotent. All who lead or follow must place a high priority on new covenant praying. Why is this so important? Well, there's four reasons. First one is prayer makes us wait. Second one, prayer converts our vision to the vision of Christ within us. Third, prayer quiets our hearts. And finally, and most importantly, prayer activates authentic faith. Jesus is a specialist when it comes to the leadership and following of God-given authorities. He delights in accomplishing what we cannot. It is his proof that we are authentically born again. However, he awaits our cry of dependence. When he sees a soul passionately reaching for, not I but Christ, he is quick to release himself through the believer. As you might know, in our culture today, like Nehemiah being quick to call for help, a kind of help that was far beyond his own understanding and certainly beyond humanity, we need to do the exact same thing today. But the difference is Nehemiah did not have a spirit from within to release. But true authentic born-again Christians today has that ability to release the true weapon against the enemy. Coming up next is 07, going willingly to the front line. We're going to be discussing how important it is for believers today to have a willing heart to go to the front line of battle, that is, if they truly want victory. Also, we're going to review understanding that that battle is real. You and I cannot see the spiritual warfare battle with our eyes, but our soul can certainly sense evil and the presence of the enemy all around us. We'll review fearing the enemy is a confession that the enemy is more powerful than Christ. That's almost disgusting to say, but it's true. People who are bound by fear are involved in punishment. That's exactly what the Word of God tells us. Fear involves punishment. They don't know or refuse to accept the authentic, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Because in love there is no fear. And if there is fear, that fear better be fear of the living God. We'll review never addressing the enemy personally. The only time I use one of his names is when I am pinning him down about what he's doing. But I don't talk to him directly. I don't use this modern way of addressing the enemy by using his name. I simply leave that up to Jesus to do that kind of thing. 
I remember the passage in Jude where Satan was challenging the archangel, Michael, and was wrangling words with him about Moses' death. And Michael's response was, basically, I'm not going to deal with you. I am not going to speak to you. And then he kicked it over to the triune of God to rebuke him. We're going to talk about that technique and secret that shouldn't be so secret in battling the enemy day to day without giving him any credit. Finally, we'll deal with rebuilding our walls demand submission to God as the priority. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a huge blessing. We hope that you continue on in our series as we unfold the power of ancient prophecy in the Old Testament. Until next time...